Welcome to the Fit Money Podcast, where we'll discuss something we all need through our entire life, financial literacy, but also asking the tough questions. Why aren't students learning it? Financial literacy is more than the math and a behavior we'll need beyond the classroom. So we're learning how we can help students, families, and teachers build a new generation of financially fit students everywhere. On this episode, Fit Money Executive Director Jessica Peltier is joined by Bobby Rebel, a certified financial planner, podcast host, and author of Launching Financial Grownups, where she helps parents of teenagers and young adults empower their kids and own their own financial independence. Today, Jessica and Bobby discuss why talking about money with kids can be intimidating, how to navigate these conversations, and the value behind building financial literacy early before it's needed. Hi, Bobby. It's so great to see you today. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking with other parents who are equally as passionate about teaching their kids about financial literacy. Uh, we don't meet a lot of them, um, but uh, so thrilled to have you on today. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you again for having me. We all know about your book. Uh, we heard about it uh, in your introduction, but tell me what really inspired you to write your book? You know, Jessica, I had... A lot of experience talking about personal finance. I had spent years as a global business anchor and a personal finance columnist at a number of amazing um, news organizations, including you know Reuters most recently. And I had even become a certified financial planner. And yet, when it came to my own then teenage kids, I could not get through to them. They just weren't hearing me. They were yesing me as teens do, as many of your listeners know, but they weren't actually taking action. And I had all of this knowledge that I was sharing with them, and yet somehow it wasn't resonating. And I started asking my friends, well, do you have this problem too? And yeah, they did. They said they just couldn't get the kids interested and motivated in doing anything. And you want them to have that initiative. You know, we can do things for them, Many of us, and myself included, I am a confessed helicopter parent, we will do the things for them so that they get done the way we want them to be done. But ultimately, we have to launch them. We have to launch them into financial grownups. And I had already written a book for young people called How to Be a Financial Grownup, but I felt that parents really needed to step up. And parents really are ultimately the the final stakeholders. Mm -hmm. We are the ones, and not just parents, I should say aunts, uncles, grandparents, any adults that have young people in their lives, we are stakeholders in their financial futures on many levels. And we can talk about that separately. But I really felt that there was nothing out there when I went to look for a book. And I had been sort of playing with different book ideas for a follow-up book. And this just really resonated. It really hit home to me. And the book, I really focus more on financial wellness rather than literacy, because while it's important for them to understand the facts, what's more important is for them to understand the real world application of their knowledge that they can learn. For example, schools can play a wonderful role, let's say, in teaching a kid about investing, but we want them to know, okay, what buttons do you actually click in that, you know, account that you're opening? You know, how do you open an account? What documents do you need to bring with you? Do you need to go in person? Can you do it over the phone? What needs to happen? How do you even set that up? How do you monitor it? How do you decide which actual 
investment to put it in because some young people would open up, let's say a 401k and the money just sits there, not invested. So it's really important that an adult that loves them, parent or just someone in their life makes sure that it gets done. And that's really the passion behind the book is the real world application of good personal finance habits. And I love your focus on wellness because I think um, what you and I were mentioning uh, before we started recording is this could be different for everyone. Um, the the kind of American dream that we hear about uh, is changing and it should, and it should be different for everyone and they should understand kind of how they see themselves in that future. Um, talk a little bit about that. I know you recently had a, a great experience with your uh, oldest daughter and and how did she kind of make the decisions on how she was going to make her money work for herself? Such a great question, Jessica, because it really is. And, and look, there's a reason I, my company is called Financial Wellness Strategies, wellness strategies, not literacy strategies, because each person is different. So I have two older kids um, that were sort of going through this at the same time. And in the case of Ashley, who is very you know open in the book, and she even wrote the, um, the epilogue for the book. She really wanted the stability of owning her own home. As a young woman, she felt that that was something that she wanted to have um, an ownership stake of. She knew she wanted to live in New York City where she grew up. She knew it was very expensive. She didn't want to have the vulnerability of renting because a landlord, in many cases, there's some, you know, stable, rent stabilized housing and such. But for the most part, you know, many people are going to have market rate rents and, and you are vulnerable to a landlord raising the rent or other circumstances or just simply having someone that doesn't want to rent out that, that mm -hmm. home anymore. So she wanted to have that control in her life and she knew she wanted to be in New York. So for her, it made sense that her goal was to own a home. And to your point about everyone being different, the thing I was trying to get them to do um, when I was, uh, which inspired writing the book was I was trying to get them both to open up Roth IRAs because both of these kids had jobs and had incomes. They're great kids. And I wanted them to understand that at that time in their life, they they were under the income threshold clearly, and they and were also in a very low tax bracket. So it made sense for them to be in a Roth vehicle because in a Roth you're paying your taxes upfront, and the growth then goes untaxed, right? So this was what they needed to do. She came to me, and this is I'm finally getting to this wellness point, and said, "That's great, but I don't want to lock up my money in a retirement account because my goal in the next two years is." to have a down payment to own my own home. So I am not going to do that. And I was like, oh, why didn't you just tell me that when I was telling you to open the Roth IRA? And she was like, well, I didn't really want to disappoint you when you were so enthusiastic about it. And so this is why I interviewed all of these financial therapists and social workers and such for this book, because it's not as straightforward as under she understood what a Roth IRA was. She just wasn't going to do it because it didn't fit her plan. The younger one did. And he's been maxing it out now for several years. He obviously was still in college longer than she was. He doesn't know where he wants to live. He's in the movie business. He might end up anywhere, right? So he doesn't want to own a home right now. So he's just banking the money. And for him, it makes sense to have that Roth IRA. And so he did it. And so it's important to understand your kids are different. Their goals are different. And they may not want to disappoint you. So you have to give them permission. And I learned the hard way to say, I understand academically what it is, but this is why I'm not going to do it right now and let them 
live their life, even if it's not what you think is best for them, as long as it's reasonable. You don't want your kids to get in trouble, of course, but if they have a reasonable reason why they're not necessarily doing what you think they should be doing, hear them out. Focus a lot on listening to them. And that's something that I echo a lot throughout the book is the importance of understanding that your kids are not you. Yes, they are your children, but they have their own personalities, their own hopes and dreams. And you have to take a step back, let them be grownups. It's hard though. It is hard. It's, it's so hard. And two questions that I have um, from, from that discussion, uh, and I love that, is one about kind of goal setting and how often you tell people and maybe your former clients and even young kids of how often should yeah. you be looking at those goals and perhaps readjusting them. But also then after that, I want to talk about kind of, you mentioned that helicopter parent and mm-hmm. how we strike a balance between, you know, potentially yeah. letting our kids fail. Um, you know, when you ride a bike, learn to ride a bike, chances are you're going to fall. Uh, and that's part of the process. So, but let's talk about those goals. Cause I'm so yeah. impressed that she was so mature and honest, uh, that she had a different goal. Um, so how often do you recommend, uh, folks that are either 20 or, or maybe even 50 that you should look at your goals and, and potentially adjust? Well, I think there's natural milestones that lead us to do that. So when there's a life event, that's Mm -hmm. at a minimum, a great time to look at that. If you have a job change, if you have a graduation, if you have some kind of a structural life event, Mm -hmm. but then it's whatever works for you. You know, you don't want to be too much in the weeds. For example, like you don't want to be changing just like with a portfolio. You want to make sure that you stay balanced and Mm -hmm. diversified. But if you're constantly rebalancing your portfolio, Mm -hmm. that's going to create churn. It's going to create a lot of expenses Mm -hmm. and it's going to create a tax situation. So you don't want to be doing that. Same thing with your overall financial life. You want to make sure it's at appropriate times that are at intervals that make sense for you. And there is no magic formula. That's what I'm going to tell you over and over again. A lot of it has to do with your life goals and where you are and where you want to be. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. So let, let's talk about that. Um, as parents, you know, it's it's our job to, you know, bring kids up to feel confident and understand, you know, how they can affect, you know, really great decisions in their life. And, and that sense of failure, which none of us want our kids to fail. None of us want them to get hurt. But sometimes it's kind of part of the learning process. So in finances, um, we know that some very small mistakes, like a late payment on your credit card uh, or, or overextending yourself in debt, can really amount to a very long-term you know, negative situation. So how do we let them kind of do that trial and error and potentially fail as they're learning about finances without something that is really detrimental to their, their future? It's really hard. So I just want to tell every parent out there to give yourself grace, as they say. (laughs) Um, It is really hard. One analogy I give is, you know, that maybe the first time your child is making a purchase at a younger age, and they often don't realize about tax, you know, you'll Mm -hmm. have a certain amount of money that they maybe saved up from some gifts or from little jobs they've done or their allowance. And they'll go to the toy store and they'll be so proud to buy this toy. And then they don't have enough money because the tax, right? So I always say the first time you come in and you rescue them, but then the second time you let them Mm -hmm. not get the toy, which is so hard, Mm -hmm. but you know what? You have to do that. So if you can afford to bail them out the first time Mm -hmm. and just step away the second time, and it is really hard, but it's, it's also important because nothing will have an impact like having that setback. 
That is such great advice. And I do use that. I have a nine-year-old and it, almost an identical situation. Got a, a gift card for his birthday and was so excited and spent it within 24 hours because mm-hmm. he just was, it was burning in his little hands. Um, and I knew what he wanted to buy was not what he wanted. Uh, but like you said, I did step back and, and let him spend that card. And and once yeah. the toy came and got played with for about 12 hours and, and very quickly got discarded. Uh, and he did. He actually learned that lesson that he said, wow, that was really not what I wanted to use that money for. Uh, yeah. So um, it makes me think that the younger we start talking about financial literacy and, and your finances, the better, because they are in more of that kind of safe space uh, to learn. It also is something that gives them a lot of pride and a real sense of achievement. There's nothing like the satisfaction of having a child pay for something with money that's theirs, mm-hmm. right? You always feel differently when you accomplish something on mm-hmm. your own. And many parents don't realize it. And I've done it myself. I think we've all done it to some degree. But when you constantly come in and pay for everything, sometimes you're sending a message, and this is maybe more with older kids, that you don't have the confidence in them to pay for it themselves or to achieve that themselves. And they also will take better care of it themselves. if they, Even if it's just paying for half of something, it's a human thing. Even today, if somebody just bought me something or it was free, like if you go to a hotel, I just came back from a brief vacation and they have, you know, something, a freebie, you don't treasure it as much as something that you mm-hmm. purchased, like an overpriced souvenir that you purchased on vacation. You're going to sort of treasure more than something the hotel just gave you. I don't know what other sort of analogy to use, but it's just the way life is. It's We're just programmed that way. Well, an example might be, even be a car. So I had a recent situation where someone I know, um, had an accident in a car, a young, young person that was new to driving, but so conscientious, but it it happens sometimes it Mm -hmm. happens. And when they went to get it repaired and they understood the cost of repairing this damage to the car was almost what he had made an Mm -hmm. entire summer. Mm -hmm. Right. And the parents, um, did, they chipped in for about half, but understanding that, and, and again, this is a kid that's such a good kid and was super careful, but things happen. Right. And that's also part of the lesson that sometimes life's not fair, right? Sometimes, and in this case, it was, it was, it was this child's fault, but like you could even have a car repair because somebody else just slams into your car and leaves, right? Sometimes financial costs are not your fault at all. Mm-hmm. They're not your choice. And that's such a hard lesson. And it's important that while parents are tempted to help and can help, of course, um, we don't help so much that we undermine their ability to grow up and have the satisfaction of being confident in their ability to be financially independent from us. I always say that when we're teaching personal finance to kids directly, we always say focus on your needs over your wants, right? With parents, I say focus on their wants versus their needs. Don't pay their rent, but take them out to dinner. Right. And that's a hard thing to say to the kid. Like, I'll pay for your dinner. I'll pay for a gift. You know, I'll buy you a new outfit, but I'm not going to pay your rent. And the kid might be like, but what I really need is money for rent. It's like, no, if you can't afford your rent, you need to adjust where you're living mm-hmm. or make some other, or, or adjust what you're earning, something like that. And it's really hard as parents not to bail them out. And I'm not saying parents shouldn't bail them out at certain times. We are parents, but we need to be mindful of how that will eventually impact their ability to be independent adults. Because there is a transition. I mean, when you're talking, you know, five, six, seven-year-old, we tell the children to focus on their wants when they're that age, when they're elementary age. 
But you're right, at some point there is a shift and then they need to be starting to think about the actual needs mm-hmm. of life, uh, which that's such a great, that's such a great um, uh, analogy for parents. You also mentioned something really important about some financial um, expenses are, are not of your own making. And I think today's economy is, is a really, uh, t- a really important time to think about that. There's, there's households that have greater costs for things that are not their fault. You know, um, their, their grocery bills, they're not buying anything different, but yet their grocery bills are more expensive. Their car insurance is more expensive, et cetera. So talk about why I think, and, and I certainly do in my own household, you know, I think a lot of parents can feel they weren't educated in financial, personal finance. So they're not the right ones and they, they make mistakes and they don't know what they're doing, but Talk about how important it is to sometimes be vulnerable uh, to your children and, and talk about perhaps a mistake you might have made in financial or, or even, you know, why there are some tightening of, of wallets around around the yeah. time now. Yeah. So I'm sending a virtual hug to all the parents that feel that way. <laughs> that is the number one thing when I do in-person events uh, or virtual book events. The number one thing people come up to me and say is, I wish I had this myself. Mm -hmm. I still need this. I don't know what I'm doing with my money. So Mm -hmm. how can I teach my kids? And my answer is number one, you're functional. You know what you're doing with money. Unless you're piled, I mean, it's possible they're piled under a pile of debt or whatever it may be, but in general, they're pretty, they're generally functional adults at this point. So they do know more. They just don't realize that they do. So they need to develop their own confidence. And there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable, as you say to your children and saying, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't been great about investing. I wish I had saved more, or I did rack up credit card debt, or I do have credit card debt. Mm-hmm. And it's because this happened and this happened. And I also take issue with the stereotypes of debt. I think we often vilify people who have debt as saying that they maybe they splurged on all this designer clothing or they're mm-hmm. having this extravagant lifestyle. In reality, almost every story I have heard about debt has to do with something that was well-intentioned, mm-hmm. that they bailed out a friend and then they're short on money, or they invested in a business, or they got laid off, again, something not mm-hmm. their fault, mm-hmm. and let them know. And the transparency is also important, Jessica, because sometimes children believe that we have infinite, you know, bottomless pocketbooks. <laughs> And what we do is we don't want to say no to them because we want them to feel safe. So we will often give them money that we can't afford to give them as adults. And we're subsidizing. And I know people that have done this. I know somebody that should know better that took money out of her 401k to subsidize her child who was living at home with her because she didn't want them to feel insecure or to worry Mm -hmm. about them. But meanwhile, this is going on. Now, you don't have to tell them everything, but you can say, right now, I'm not in a position to help you by writing a check, but let's work out what we can do. Let's figure it out together. We can do this. Maybe we can together get another side hustle. Maybe we can do something on the side. Maybe we can get a higher paying, help you get a higher paying job, whatever it may be, help your kids, but it doesn't always have to be writing a check. Right. Right. Cause like you said, if you're constantly fixing things, then when, when there is a time where maybe that 401k is completely empty, uh, God yep. forbid, but there is yeah. going to be a time where you either can't do it or shouldn't be doing it. So I think that's so important. Exactly. And the worst step is, let's say the 401k is empty and they haven't learned to be financial mm-hmm. grownups. Who's going to help you? Right. I always say, we think the worst thing is that we will not be able to help our children later in life. But really the worst thing is if we need their help and they can't help us. Right. Right. 
Right. Which hopefully I keep telling my kids that they have to do well in life because eventually mom is going to shut down (laughs) and they then have to take care of me. (laughs) Well, I mean, look, it's important to set expectations, to understand that you're always there to listen. You're always there to help, but help is not defined by writing a check. Mm -hmm. So um, our second kid uh, was doing a senior project at school and he needed funding for it. And he explained what it was. And we listened and my husband is on the same page as me now. And we knew, we just said, well, we're here to help. What are you going to do to raise that money? And he ended up doing a GoFundMe campaign. That's awesome. That's so great. We contributed a small amount to the GoFundMe and we helped him, you know, we discussed who, who would you send it to? Who can you hit up for money? How much are you going to ask for? That kind of thing. And then he did raise a good amount of money, but not all of it. And I think this was great because What he learned is he had an original budget and a goal. He had to downsize the project Mm. and adjust to what he could afford. And that's not a bad lesson either. I think part of him hopes we would sort of top him off and give him the rest to read his goal. But really, we didn't do that. So he had to adjust and figure out more creative ways to execute his vision. And that could not be a more important life lesson right there. I mean, I wish uh, some of our government leaders might learn that lesson. Yes, Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I'm sure the project was was amazing, and I bet he felt such pride when it was over. Yes, absolutely. And, And it was fine because, you know, by fundraising, more people knew about it and could support him. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, launching Financial Grownups, uh, tell me what age uh, kids that you should have to read this book, or is it really any parent out there, even future parents, perhaps? It's for anyone out there that has a young person in their life that they care about. And the young person generally, I say between ages 16 and 26 is the target group. For two reasons. Number one, there's a lot of amazing books for younger kids. And I really felt this was an empty space. Mm -hmm. And I do think the needs are different. And so we can definitely talk about younger ages, but this is something where I didn't, I couldn't find it for myself. And as a journalist, this is what, and and I am, I'm a certified financial planner and a journalist, but I felt like this is something that I couldn't find. So I wanted to create what didn't exist. So 16, I picked as the youngest because that's when many kids first start driving. So that's often a cost for them. That is an opportunity to have very, it's a really grown up responsibility to, to drive on all levels. We can talk about safety, but from a financial perspective, you are in an expensive vehicle. You are having to learn about insurance. You are having to learn about the ongoing cost of gas, which has fluctuating prices and all kinds of other things, responsibility. So 16 for that, it's also an age when many kids are having their first jobs that have paychecks, you know, mm-hmm. an actual printed paycheck where you have taxes taken out. Many kids have other jobs earlier than 16, but at least I'm in New York. That's when you can get working papers and you can really have sort of a quote, real job. And then I picked 26. I wanted it to be 22, but we moved it to 26. And I'll tell you why, Jessica, the reality is that with the Affordable Care Act, which some people refer to mm-hmm. as Obamacare, mm-hmm. they're tied financially to their parents because of their health insurance plans until age 26. Mm-hmm. We do have things like a gig economy, mm-hmm. which really hurt parents' ability, I should say the young adult's ability to be independent because mm-hmm. very often these gig jobs don't have the same um, structure. They don't offer health insurance. Mm -hmm. They don't offer reliable full-time employment. So we sort of move the bar for these poor kids. And I think it is really hard to be a young person and be financially independent from your parents at the ages that previous generations expected. And it is important that we have an intentional exit strategy 
for them that's clearly communicated and let them know that we have the confidence in them that they can meet those expectations. I love it. Setting a plan, communicating the goals, really setting them up for success. Bobby, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been such a great conversation and it's been a real thrill to meet you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Fit Money Podcast. Whether you're a caregiver, teacher, or student yourself, there's plenty of great K-12 resources to begin or continue your financial literacy journey at fitmoney.org. Visit the show notes for more from today's guests and financial literacy activities for the classroom, at home, or on the go. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy learning, earning, and saving. The Fit Money Podcast is presented by Fit Money, the leading K-12 financial literacy curriculum, providing free, unbiased financial literacy resources. All opinions, products, and references during the show are not endorsed by Fit Money and are solely opinions of the individual. Fit Money does not claim any responsibility for external resources referenced during the episode. All Fit Money products and episodes are provided for educational purposes and are not professional advice.